Hey, listeners, this is Donna. Welcome back to Sparks in Action podcast. Today's guest is Michelle Montone. And let me tell you a little bit about Michelle, and soon you're going to hear from her. Michelle's a mother of two. She worked as a paralegal for about 15 years, and she pivoted her work and her career. And she's currently hosting something called the Fast and Fabulous podcast. And it, in fact, really is fabulous on its subject. Michelle devotes herself to sharing the benefits of intermittent fasting. She is a coach for people who wish to start exploring intermittent fasting and its health benefits. And as I said, she hosts a podcast. Welcome, Michelle. Hi, Donna. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to have you. So we're just going to get started with my first question to you. And if you could share with us and listeners precisely what is intermittent fasting and what is quote unquote clean intermittent fasting. So in a nutshell, I like to start with that. <laughs> uh, in a nutshell, intermittent fasting means that you eat, you fast intermittently, meaning that you fast every day. However, you also feast intermittently which means that you eat every single day. Um, there's different ways you can go about doing this, but in a nutshell, that is what intermittent fasting is. And to decipher between clean and unclean or dirty fasting, as some like to call it, um, clean means that you have no flavors, no creamer in your coffee, and all you drink during your fast is just plain water, sparkling plain water, black coffee, black tea, or plain green tea. Those are the only clean, you know, fasting beverages that I would say are totally safe. Um, people dirty fast all the time. It's, I don't recommend it. However, that's the term dirty fasting is when you're putting creamer in your coffee, or maybe you're drinking a diet Pepsi or whatever it is that, you know, a zero calorie drink. Some people think are acceptable. However, what people don't know is when you're putting flavors or even cream in your body, your body releases insulin no matter what, and your body then expects food. That's the difference. So when you're clean fasting, you keep your insulin nice and low. Your body's never expecting food. And when you are dirty fasting, your insulin is being disrupted. And when you do that and you're trying to lose weight, by intermittent fasting, you will eventually, even if you're successful at first, you will eventually hit a wall and your health journey will just stop or come to a halt and you won't know what to do. And that's usually where I come in and I'm like, Hey, are we clean fasting? That's a huge question. Anyways, that I kind of yeah. went off on a tangent, but that is the difference between clean and dirty fasting. Yeah, no, that's, that's super clear. So a lot of directions to go in. So I'd like to start with, tell listeners a little bit how you came to the world of intermittent fasting. And I just wanna, with that question, kind of put in one more, less a question and more statement that a lot of us started hearing about this early on, and you can talk a little bit about this, but what's so interesting about it is, and validating is that you're now reading articles at John Hopkins University, Harvard Medical School, the Mayo Clinic, and pretty much unless there are clear contraindications and one needs to be responsible about that, 
there are very few downsides to intermittent fasting. So we can get to that um, just so people know that this is so far from anything that is faddish. This is a really interesting and useful health habit, if you will, um, or health practice. So, okay, stick, taking a step back, give listeners a little idea of how you came to it personally. Sure. Uh, well, back in 2020, in January, I had just gone to a wellness exam, a physical with my doctor, and I hadn't stepped on the scale in quite a long, long time. Um, I had, I knew I was you know, at my highest weight because of how my clothes were fitting, how I was feeling, all the health issues I had piling up. And in January of 2020, early January, I remember New Year's had just passed. I went to the doctor and I stepped on the scale and I had already been trying to eat a bit healthier. So I might have dropped some weight and I, I weighed in at like 192 and I'm 5'3". And so 192 pounds on a 5'3 frame was painful. It was, it was all kinds of things, not nice <laughs> and un, un, just very, very uncomfortable feelings. So I, it was kind of a wake up call for me. I was like, gosh, I, I have to do something like what, but what, you know, cause I had been on every diet out there. I had tried keto. I had tried working out six days a week. I had tried counting calories. I mean, you name it the latest fad diet that was out, I was trying it and I would lose a little weight and then I wouldn't lose any more weight. So nothing really ever worked for me. Like it used to work. That's why it was so confusing. Cause like in my twenties, it would work. I'd do whatever. Mm -hmm. And then I'd, you know, I count my calories. I'd work out every day and I'd lose weight. And I did, it was fine. But once I hit over 35, you know, your hormones start to change ladies and, and gentlemen. And so losing weight isn't quite as easy, especially after you have children. So long story short, I had gone to the doctor, um, fast forward to a couple of weeks later, I'm getting my hair done. And I hear somebody next to me talking about intermittent fasting and how they had lost some weight on it. And, um, I was just kind of like, it just planted the seed for me. I heard the word and I went home and I started to research and I was looking for real medical backed science backed articles from valid sources. <clears throat> and I was also reaching out to people who I trusted in the health industry. Um, I had a friend who was a personal trainer. I know that's not really a, you know, a medical, um, profession. However, I really trusted him. He was really smart. And I reached out to him and I'm like, I said, Hey, you know, like, does this work? And he's like, it does. If you're consistent. Okay. Well, let's see how it goes. You know? So I, through the wormhole of the internet, I stumbled upon Jen Stevens who wrote at the time, there was only one book out called delay don't deny and she had a support group on Facebook. I joined the support group, lingered around. I saw so many inspirational posts, so many wonderful things. And I was so motivated to just start. And so January 24th of 2020, I started my first fast and I never 
have looked back really. I mean, um, it's been quite the journey. It really, really has. Yeah. Um, and I could attest from knowing you and talking to you, the times that we've talked and met that you uh, really radiate a lot of, your, your energy seems to be like very like consistent and strong and clean and clear. So let's now pivot into what probably a lot of listeners are thinking and wanna know, which is let's talk specifically about these health benefits that are documented and folks, you know, go to Hopkins, go to Mayo, go to Harvard, just go to whatever medical journals you want to look at. But let's talk specifically about three things about insulin resistance and metabolic, metabolic switching and ketosis. And I, I do want to say, Michelle, one thing I meant to say at the beginning, I'm keeping my questions pretty short and focused, but I want listeners to hear this from me, which is that I kind of stumbled upon intermittent fasting absolutely by accident due to the fact that I don't have a thyroid gland. Michelle knows this, I lost it to cancer and therefore I had to stop taking any foods in the morning so my medication could do what it needed to do. Fast forward, long story short, over the years, I have zero appetite in the morning. I tend not to feel good until my body signals hunger, which tends to be, if I, let's say if I'm up at 7.30, this is not like OCD about it. Usually by like 11 or 12, I feel genuine hunger and it feels really good to eat. Um, I wanna just put that out there only so that people know how I became so interested in both the subject and then, uh, you know, uh, you know, bringing Michelle on. Okay, go ahead. Now back to you. So tell us about insulin resistance, metabolic switching, and ketosis. So <clears throat> insulin resistance is something that doctors don't usually look for or want to help you with, because if you can simply stop insulin resistance, you'll never become pre-diabetic. You'll never become a type two diabetic. Um, so that being said, you know, I'm not a medical professional by any means, but insulin resistance in a nutshell, I love to say that I really should stop saying that so often is when your body is just your, I like to refer to the insulin tank, your glucose tank in your body as a tank. Uh, one of my friends likes to, re I just took on her, her analogy and it, it, it is really great because it really describes insulin in such a great way. Your tank is basically, it fills up at the end of the day, but when you have insulin resistance, your tank never depletes. You're just always full. And so that leads to pre-diabetes, which leads to type two diabetes. However, if you are intermittent fasting every single day, insulin resistance can actually be reversed. You can actually avoid or reverse type two diabetes. You can avoid or reverse pre-diabetes. You can avoid or reverse insulin resistance. And the way to find out is when you go get your labs at your doctor is to ask for a fasting insulin test, because what they normally will prescribe in your labs is a fasting glucose test, which is that normal test that they take after they make you drink that kind of Gatorade stuff. And then you do your blood test afterward. However, they test your blood sugars too, but they will, they never want to do the insulin 
fasting test. What's the deal? Because they don't know how to read it. They don't know how to interpret it. However, if you go to a functional medicine doctor, a neuropath, something like that, they know exactly what to do with the fasting insulin. So that being said, ask for their fasting, um, sorry, the fasting insulin test to know where you might stand with insulin resistance. Cause it's something that we don't really know we have when we have it. I mean, I was definitely insulin resistant. Not one doctor said anything to me about weight loss, about insulin, about anything. Mm. I even had um, gestational diabetes with my second pregnancy, which is a red flag, Mm -hmm. especially with all the symptoms I was having at the time when I was 192 pounds. So insulin resistance can be reversed through intermittent fasting However, you need to work with a medical partner to know that you're doing it correctly and know that you're getting what you need every single day. That's very important. Metabolic syndrome simply is when your body is, uh, you've dieted so much in your life back and forth. I mean, some people have dieted. I know myself, it was 20 years. Some, some go way longer. And you're going up and down in your weight. And so after so long of the up and down yo-yo, your body does not know what to do. And it goes into metabolic syndrome, which in, in short, in layman's terms means that you, you could bust your buns every day in the gym. You could restrict calories. You can do all the things you're never going to lose weight. Mm -hmm. And you're going to be on this like hamster wheel of just confusion. And again, doctors don't look for this. They don't look for, this is metabolic syndrome is going off your symptoms. It's not like a blood test. I don't think there, at least I don't think there's a blood test you can get. Um, So there's that again, fasting. And I've seen it happen in my clients, in my colleagues, in my, a lot of people, so many people. I had a friend who was not only had metabolic syndrome, she was pre-diabetic. She was almost in type two, like she was kind of in the border and she started intermittent fasting and she reversed both, but she did it with her medical practitioner. And and what's so interesting about that is a couple of things. So one, we know um, that type two diabetes has become epidemic or pre-type two. So Mm -hmm. that is an important consideration here. And um, also with, with metabolic syndrome, I know there's another term, which is metabolic switching. Can you talk mm-hmm. a little bit about how that plays into this dynamic? Sure. So when you hear the term metabolic switching, you're usually hearing it you know, cussed up with somebody talking about fasting normally. Well, you hear that in the same sentence or close. So what that means is when your body, you start to intermittent fast, you go through an adjustment period, which means your body is adjusting to the fasting, but you're going through this whole biological phenomenon in your body. And what happens is you're, again, I'm going to refer to that tank. You're burning down every day. Your glucose soars a little bit more, a little bit more a little bit more. It takes, it depends how much weight you have to lose. Every single person is different. The average adjustment is about a month, but it can take several months. So that being said, once you get to the end of those glucose stores, that is when the metabolic switch happens. 
and your body switches over to just burning glucose down every day to actually burning down the glucose and tapping into your fat stores. That's that metabolic switch. Okay. When you can hit your fat stores every single day, you've, it happens through intermittent fasting every day. And that will lead me to your third question about ketosis. And that is ketosis. When you've switched and your body starts burning fat for fuel every day, you burn fat for fuel and that is ketosis. So eating just meat or eating non-carb, that's not the only way to get into ketosis. I, I want to be really clear about that. It's not the only way. People think that you have to intermittent fast and eat keto. That's nonsense. You can, if you, your body feels good doing that. However, that is not the only way to get into ketosis. You go into ketosis every single day through clean fasting once your body is adjusted. That's such a good point. Um, I'm so glad that you said that. And I, that brings me to something else, which piggybacks all of what you're talking about, which is, and I love that it's on your site. I think you, you have on your website and we'll give people um, your contact information at the end. You say, hunger is rarely dangerous. And I think we should talk about that because part of what this, you know, people, as you, as you well know, intermittent fast, uh, many people has nothing to do with weight loss. It has everything to do with just overall health. And there is, I would love you to say something about your quote, hunger is rarely dangerous, qualifying it that, you know, in some cases it is, but tell us, Michelle. Yes why that is up there and why I feel, you know, that's resonant. There's, there's a lot there. Go ahead. There, there's a lot to unpack there, but you know, to, to sum it up, hunger is rarely dangerous, or I also like to say hunger is rarely an emergency. And I say the rarely part, cause you can't say never, um, your body is going to give you physical signs that it is time to eat. So in other words, if you're like have a grumbling in your stomach and you're like, ah, I could eat, I'm hungry. Well, that's your body digesting. That's your body doing exactly what it should be doing. That's your body possibly burning fat for fuel. It's not always an emergency. It's not always dangerous. In fact, it's a good thing to get hunger. It's a good thing to feel hunger. It means your body's doing exactly what it should be. However, let me piggyback off of that and say that if you are getting to a point, especially if you're new to the fasting world and you're like, I'm going to jump in with a really long fast or something, I just want to be very clear and say, it's best to start slow with these types of things um, and listen to your body. And when I say to listen to your body, really listen really listen. Don't just listen for your hunger pains because I, you know, I've heard people say, well, I listened Michelle and I, it told me to eat. Okay. Well, let's back up here for a second, because if you're just feeling your, you know, your stomach rumbling a bit, it's because you woke up every day for X amount of years and you ate, you were told breakfast is the most important meal of the day. And so your body's conditioned to wake up and mm -hmm. feel hunger. But don't let that make you afraid of just delaying your breakfast 
delaying your meal for the day and maybe getting into an intermittent fasting protocol at some point, if it's for you. So let me back up for a a moment. So hunger, when the body is absolutely hungry, like it needs to have food to move forward and it is an emergency or it is dangerous or can become dangerous, you will know it. And when I say that you will have physical symptoms such as dizziness, lightheadedness. Uh, Sometimes you feel like you're going to, you know, have some nausea. Uh, You're going to, sometimes I break out in a sweat. Now I, let me say, let me say this. It is very, 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 very important to ease in. I know I just said, but ease into it. If you've never tried it, do your homework and ease into it because I would never want somebody to start to feel that way. That way is not a fun way to feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, so that's the thing. It's, it seems that there are many ways to practice intermittent fasting. And what I appreciate that you brought up earlier is that one can eat what, you know, it's not about restricting what you eat. We all know a balanced diet is, you know, you know, getting your carbs, getting your proteins. Um, we're not, nobody, you know, I'm sorry, I have no dogma around it. And I know you don't about what people eat, you know, um, so if maybe, um, we can talk about, um, one thing just to kind of make sure we address it, which are, are there contraindications? Some people who, no matter what, ought not to do any intermittent fasting. Yeah. I mean, listen, I'm going to say what I say to every single person is if you are interested in intermittent fasting and you think it could be for you, go talk to your doctor. Now I will also say this, a lot of Western doctors are not, let's say up to date with the latest science on intermittent fasting. If you are type one diabetic, I would say do not look into intermittent fasting unless you are working with your endocrinologist, with your doctor, do not touch it. Now I will say that sometimes it does help, but I don't, again, like that's one of the big red flags. If you're pregnant, you don't want to intermittent fast. If you're breastfeeding, you don't want to intermittent fast. So yes, there are, if you have a history of an eating disorder, this, it could be problematic. So if any of those things are in your category, then you're not a candidate. You wouldn't be a candidate in my eyes. Um, any, and then everyone else, you know, whoever has a pre-existing, you know, condition, a high blood pressure, whatever it is, you need to work with your medical doctor. You need to work with your practitioner. And if you are, if you do your research and you're convinced that intermittent fasting could help you and your doctor is not on board, go try to find one that might, might be open to it. But if you can't, then that probably means you're not a candidate. Um, I wouldn't say that it's very rare that somebody is like, nope, you can't practice it in any way because there's ways to practice it that are just like a light way. Mm -hmm. I have many older people in my, in my support group that are 
you know, they do a really light pattern and they do like a, a 14 to 16 hour fast every day. And, and it's, it works for them and it keeps them healthy and it keeps them vibrant. And so, but then I have people who are, you know, a lot younger or even some older people that do very long fasts, but they're seasoned fasters and they know what they're doing. And so it's just a little different. You have to work with your doctor. And like I try to say to everyone, if your doctor won't work with you and you think it's for you still, then do your homework and find a doctor that will work with you. Okay. Yeah. Those are really, those are really good points. I also want to talk about, and you know, because I have to put on my therapist hat, right? Of course. <laughs> so, <laughs> there it is. It's on. Um, the mental health benefits, because so let's let's talk about that for a minute. Because you, last time you and I talked, um, when I was on your podcast, we talked about how, on the one hand, to me, it seems like it builds discipline. It yeah. builds that discipline of knowing that when we get an urge, whether it's a hunger or an urge, an urge to lash out on someone, that we learn how to temper ourselves, which is not sweeping things under the rug. So I think intermittent fasting contributes to this whole practice of building more both insight, but also in, in hand in hand with that, some discipline and, um, and a sense of agency right? It's just, you know, and so, and I just wonder if you want to talk a little bit about personally, the mental health benefits that it has grown inside of you. So I'm going to be transparent with you about mental health. I've struggled with mental health my whole life. I have generalized, generalized anxiety, anxiety disorder. I can't even say it. And so, um, I've had it my whole life, but I know how to control it. And I've been on and off medication in and out of therapy most of my adult life. Um, and it's helped me tremendously to deal with all of that. So that being said, when it came to fasting, I was nervous going into it thinking like, I'm going to get too hungry or I'm going to get like hangry as people like to call it and not be myself. And what I want to say about that is that when you start to fast, it is, it can be hard and it is hard. And I'm not going to sugarcoat that. And that's why I say to start off slow, but something magical happens because it doesn't last. It doesn't last at all. Like it lasts maybe a, you know, whenever you're in the adjustment period, that's when you're, you can get a little hangry and maybe get a little, you know, offbeat, but it does the discipline. Once you're adjusted, you don't have the hunger anymore. You don't feel it. You have more room. You have more time in your day, in your space, in your energy to be with your children, to be present, to do the things you want to do, to work out, to take care of your body that you didn't have before because you were focused on food or you were on some diet that was super restricting because I don't know about anybody listening, but like Weight Watchers and stuff like that, very restrictive diets I got super hangry all the time because I was constantly depriving myself of food I really loved. Mm -hmm. And you just bring bring up another point, forgive me for slipping in there, but yeah, you know, I know we've talked about this. You are able to eat food you love. You post beautiful pictures of these amazing meals. It's not like you're necessarily limit bread or carbs. You just do it in a very reasoned way. And that's an important. Uh, I know you brought it up at the beginning of our conversation that it's not about deprivation at all. Such no. a different orientation. 
It is. Yeah. And I think what you find over time when, if you do adopt this lifestyle is that you start out eating exact, cause I tell everyone started out eating how you normally would eat in your window, mm-hmm. eat normal. But over time, over time, what you'll find is that your diet will naturally get cleaned up. And so now it's not really about like, I don't want to go get fast food all the time. Like I used to, that would use, that was a treat to me, to me now a treat is a, you know, an avocado and a, an like I just had an avocado and an egg, you know, so, and on a piece of toast, thank you very much. You know, like I, but you know, I like seed bread that has more protein in it. And so like you just clean your diet up over time, which is a beautiful thing because you're giving your body exactly what it needs to not just survive, but to thrive. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's amazing. And I also want to say before we wrap up that one of the things in your work with people, you encourage people to take small baby steps as they build an intermittent fasting uh, protocol into their life that works for them, very individualized. And I just have to say, part of me again for putting on my therapist hat, but because all my whole professional life, I've done a lot of work with people, sort of untangling habit patterns and re-implementing new ones, but it happens best in very small increments building incrementally. It's like we just build it. And then there's a kind of organic reward. As you just pointed out, you are now at a point where it's like, oh, wow, an egg and avocado and seed toast is really exciting. You know? I know. <laughs> um, and if you threw a little hagen in there at some point, that's cool too. In other words, it's right. Absolutely. And you know, Haagen-Dazs is a, is a high quality yogurt and I don't knock it. If you, meant you want a little hagen it's delicious. <laughs> you know, have your ice cream, eat it in your window, enjoy. Um, but I think over time, what you're going to find is that like, maybe, you know, your body doesn't crave it as often as you used to. Exactly. And that's a good thing because right. sugar is not the greatest. Right. I mean, let's be honest. It's it's not the number one thing I'm after because my body wants and craves things that I will thrive from, not yeah. just like, oh, I want sugar because it's good, but it, you know, we can go down that rabbit hole, but we won't. Yeah. Um sugar is one of those things that I like to just keep in moderation and and enjoy on the weekends usually, but you know, if it's a special occasion, I don't miss out. I never do. So this is great, Michelle. Um, we're going to, we're going to wrap up, but I want to say it's funny. We're having this conversation on Halloween. I know. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I'm thinking about all the candy that's coming in my door later. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I, I, I went into those Snickers bar when I was a young one, Uh, but, um, Now I think I would actually get like a massive headache in about two minutes. Anyway, I want to thank you so much. And I just want to give you an opportunity to tell listeners how they can get in touch with you. Sure. Yeah. So thank you um, for having me. It was a lot of fun always to talk to you, Donna. And if anyone wants to get in touch with me or connect with me, I can be found at fastandfabulouspodcast.com. And there you will find all the information you need about my podcast coaching. And I have a Patreon community that supports the podcast as well. Great. Great. So I thank you so much for being here. You're welcome. Thanks for having me, Donna. What is it you always say? Fast on? Fast on. Fast on, girl. My fellow Jersey girl. All right. Yeah, girl. (laughs) Have a great day.
If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider giving it a review on Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you can review it. Share it. Send episodes to friends who might be interested. I want to grow this podcast, and yes, I do need your help to do it. Keep being the bright spark that you are. Take care.